entire time trying to get away from impossibility into possibility and God spends all his time trying to move us into impossibility. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Church, as usual, will not work. It's going to take a body of believers that have great faith. To the world, seeing is believing. But in the kingdom of God, believing is seeing. Ultimately, it's not about healing or casting out demons, but rather Jesus being exalted, the demonstration of the kingdom, and the creation of a covenant people for God. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason continues his message entitled, The Other Side of Healing. There are two sides to healing. One is receiving the healing, and the other one is being the conduit of healing. Okay, and so what we want to do is we want to understand how we can begin to be the conduit of healing. And in order to do that, we, we have to believe that healing is for today. And there's been a lot of confusion over that. That's why when I brought Miguel up here, I told you, Pastor Miguel, what has he testified to? The miraculous healings, the signs and the wonders and the miracles of God. And so, you know, it's just over and over and over and over again. Many of us have testified to it too. But even with, with what signs and wonders and miracles we have, we've still not gone, we have not gone to that next level, into that level where our faith has increased and we have this expectation. Too often when we pray for the sick, we hope they are healed. Too often when we come to a meeting, we hope the Holy Spirit will show up. We don't know for sure whether he will or not. Now, we know what the scripture says. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he will be in our midst. We understand that. But we're talking about the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And we know that doesn't happen every time we come together. And it should. It should because he comes, we gather together in order to, to bless him and for him to bless us. And so we come together for that reason and for that purpose. I've been telling you for several weeks now, we want to start bringing in those that are hurting, those that are dying, those that are afflicted. We want to be able to pray for them. They'll be touched by Jesus Christ. And if you don't believe they'll be touched, then you won't bring them. But if you believe they'll be touched, you'll start bringing in people that will, that they have that need. And trust me, there are plenty of people around that do. And so this morning I want to talk to you about the other side of healing. And in order to do that, I want to talk to you about the omniscient, omnipresent, all-powerful God that we serve. How many of you believe that he's omniscient, omnipresent, and all-powerful? Four of you, that's good. Amen. I've been doing this through the whole series, and I just want to keep on. Acts 3.16, and in his name, and in his name, by faith in his name, Jesus, in his name, in his name, say in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man the perfect health in the presence of you all. So what made him, what made him whole? The faith in the name of Jesus, in what Jesus had done, the authority of Jesus. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you believe Jesus has the authority to heal? Amen. Pretty simple question, isn't it? How many of you believe that Jesus has the authority to override nature itself. You know, that's what a miracle is. Okay? And so we believe that, don't we? How many of you believe that's today? How many of you believe that God can use you to do that with? That's the key. God wants to use you to do that with. He said, Mark 9, 23, and Jesus said to him, if you can, 
All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And then Jesus immediately demonstrated the kingdom right behind that, the power of the kingdom. And so he said, to him that believes, all things are possible. And so when we let the impossible overcome us, it is a, how do I say this delicately? It's unbelief. That's as delicately as I know how to say it. Now, everybody wants to get, oh, don't beat up on me. I'm not beating up on you. Jesus told that to his disciples, and he wasn't beating up on them. What he was doing was saying, let's raise the level of belief that we have. Let's raise our level of faith. Let's raise where we are and move into something deeper than where, we, where we've been. And so he's, cr he's crying out to us to do that. So when I say that, I I'm not trying to, to belittle you or belittle your faith. What I'm saying is we need an increase of faith. We have more evidence of people not being healed than we do of being healed. And it should be the other way, around, uh, other way around. We ought to be in that place of belief and trusting in Him. So if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And in Matthew 13, 58, He goes on and Jesus said, And He did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. They didn't give Him any belief whatsoever. But I also like that word He said, didn't do many. It didn't say He didn't do any. It said he didn't do many. And so unbelief begins to destroy our faith. And unbelief, we find ourselves many times like this man that said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. Turn to your neighbor and say amen. amen. <laughs> okay. Now, what we want to do is we want to get out of that realm because let me tell you what unbelief is. We've been studying this some in Hebrews. But unbelief is the distrust of God, his power, and his sovereignty. Hebrews refers to people of unbelief as being evil. All right? Now I'm hammering you just a little bit, but I'm hammering all of us because I want the shock factor to take over and for us to realize that we want to go further in faith than we already are. And so we begin to see this unbelief. Ten of the twelve spies could not see themselves conquering the giants. Could they? Ten of the twelve spies came back and said, we are grasshoppers in our own eyes. How many grasshoppers have we got? You know, that's the problem is, is somebody says, well, go pray for that one. I never will forget we were in Brazil one time and a demon manifested. How many of you ever seen a demon manifest? Ooh, I have, and I want you to know it is not a pretty sight. And a demon manifested. This woman went to scream, and they were just blood-curdling screams. And she was only about, about as far as I am from Herman, from my son David. And the guy that was, was heading up the uh, uh, service was named Rick. And Rick looked at David and said, David, go cast that demon out. David looked back at him and said, you go cast it out. Y'all wake up. It's okay. Which side of that would you have been on? David said, you go cast it out. I, can't, I ain't going to do that. See, he was afraid of what was in front of him. Somebody comes to you and you say, there's a guy in a wheelchair coming in. Go pray for him. What's our first thought? When somebody comes in and they say, well, let me start off with the headaches and hangnails, and then maybe I can build up my faith, right? Come on. 
headaches and hangnails. That's where we start. I, again, I'm not condemning. I'm just saying, let's just be real honest. Can we be honest? Is that all right if we're, we're honest with each other? We never grow and go anywhere if we don't become honest with each other. And so we are like the ten spies many, many times. We look and we observe the situation, and in our mind we deal with the idea that it's impossible and I'm not the right one. That's what happened to the ten. They walked up, they went around the land, and they said, hmm, that's too much for us to handle. Maybe we need to start with something smaller. Notice that when, when, when God sent the children of Israel, he didn't send them to pygmies. He sent them to giants. Why? Because he's a big God. He wasn't interested in what they could do in their strength. He was interested in what they could do in his strength. Amen. You see, he waited until, I'll get to Abraham in a minute, but he waited until it was impossible for Abraham and Sarah to conceive a child because if it had been in a time of possibility, it wouldn't have been God. We spend all our time trying to get away from impossibility into possibility, and God spends all his time trying to move us into impossibility. Because it's not our name he wants to magnify. It's his name that needs to be magnified. Amen? And so he's, he's moving us into that place of, of, of possibility. And so he says, he tells us, he says in Hebrews 4, let us therefore fear. Mm, you ever thought God would tell you to fear something? He's telling us to fear. What is he telling us to fear? Lest a promise left lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Wow. Wow. The spies come into the land and they're walking around and they're looking and they're trying to find how they're going to attack and they just say, they're too big. It's too big. And the Bible says they couldn't enter into their rest. What was their rest? It was the promise of the promised land. But remember, their promise was filled with what? Giants. What if the promises of God are filled with giants? Are we equipped to handle that? See, we believe in Santa Claus. We don't believe in God. Santa Claus does everything for you. God requires that you go to a place that's not comfortable. God is asking us. He's not requiring. He's asking us to go into impossible places. I read an article about an evangelist today that grew up in the streets of Miami, and he was a member of a gang there, and he said he wouldn't go into detail, probably because they would arrest him, but he said he did untold numbers of violent and despicable acts until God got a hold of him. And so now what's happened is God has turned him around, 
You know, God has turned him around. He's preaching the gospel in Miami. The people are getting saved out of the gangs and off of drugs and off the street, and he's turning around, and now he's sending him to New York. God's sending him to New York. How many of you think he's afraid to go to New York? Ain't no way he's afraid to go to New York. You know why? Because God's sending him, and he's going, and it's up to God to do what God's going to do in New York City, and I expect for it to be so substantial that the news media will pick it up and talk about who's being, who's being saved in the gangs and who's being saved in the slums and who's being saved in the hospitals, who's being saved in the different places. Why? Because one man dares to be obedient to walk where other men would not walk. I, I'm, I'm imagining that his next place he's going to have to go is to Chicago. I'm just telling you. Why? Because that's one man that'll do what God told him to do. IHOP Atlanta, the International House of Prayer, opened up a ministry and missions team. And when, he opened up the, when they opened up the ministry and missions team, they agreed to pay their whole tuition if they were going to the 1040 window. Anybody know what the 1040 window is? That's where the gospel cannot be preached. These people are, not only are they opposed to that, but they are, they are actively pushing the gospel of Jesus Christ out and anybody that brings it in. And so they, they asked for volunteers to come and their first class they had over 20 families. Listen, families... They said, we want to go into the 1041 to, to preach the gospel. Fearless. Fearless in what they're doing. Not condemning you. Because if you do, I'm going to condemn me too. I'm just encouraging us. I want us to see what God is doing. Now, I, I made this statement to start off with. His, God's understanding of rest is different than mine. I, don't want, I didn't think I was going to have to go fight a battle. See, what people think is they're going to come in, they're going to get saved, they're going to get forgiven, and they're going to sit down on their butts till they die. Yeah, exactly. That's right, Jimmy. That's right. That's church today, isn't it? But that's not the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not what he said. He said the promises go unfulfilled because the church sits and waits for God to do something. And God's saying, and I'm waiting for you to do something. Am I making sense to you today? Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good preaching. <laughs> okay, so if we really believe this, if we believe that God is omniscient, that he is all-knowing, how many of you believe God knows everything? He does. Isaiah 46.10 said, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Turn to your name and say, God will do what he pleases. Woo! God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And so think about that from a kingdom perspective. In the kingdom, if you want to receive, what do you have to do? You got to give. If you, want, if, you want to be made, if you want to have authority and be made high, what do you have to do? You have to go low. You have to be servant to all. So in the kingdom, it just makes sense. If you want to enter rest, you've got to go to the battle. See, the world runs away from the battle. God runs to the battle. All right. Any of y'all following me? Amen. And so the all-knowing God said, I know my purpose. 
I know what I have intended for you. Nobody's going to take you away. If you're doing what I've called you to do, you can't, you can't be killed. You can't be destroyed. You can't be buried. There's nothing can happen to you when you're obedient to me and I, you're fulfilling my, my, uh, my mandate. Well, Eddie, there were lots and lots of people that were killed. Yeah. The Bible says that the, the number of the martyrs is not yet fulfilled means there's going to be a lot more people die for the cause of Christ. And God's okay with it. Aren't you glad you came this morning? I am anyway. God's all-knowing. He knows everything that's going to happen. He knows the plans that he has for you and the future and the hope. You know, we get all fuzzy about that. He says he knows the plans. He knew all the plans he had for Paul too, didn't he? Can you imagine Paul's there, he's blind, and Ananias comes and he prays for him and his eyes get open. And, and Ananias says, I, I'm here to prophesy to you. And, and Paul says, man, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. If it were today, the prophecy would be, man, you're such a great guy. God saw who you were and he wanted to bring you into this kingdom. But that's not what God had prophesied over him. You know what he said? He said, Ananias, tell him all the things he must suffer. Huh? You know what Paul said? I don't know what he said for sure, but I believe he said, count me in. I'm in for this. This God has touched my life. He has transformed me. He has saved me. Whatever you want. He's ever present. Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you pass through the waters, God said, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. God said, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I don't care how much, I don't care how much of a flap jacket you have on. I don't care how much, how much firepower you have. I don't care. The only thing that's going to protect you in the battle is Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed on Calvary's cross and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And then I don't care if they shoot at you. I don't care if they throw, do flamethrowers at you. I don't care what anybody would try to do with you. They cannot kill you. That's what the Bible says. God is our protection. And then he's all powerful. Jeremiah 32, 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Turn your neighbor and say, is there anything too hard for God? Well, answer him. Is there anything too hard for God? How many of you have been in situations you thought were too hard for God? Come on, yeah. Some of y'all not lying. Some of y'all lying. But anyway, it's okay. I, I, God will forgive you. Sometimes we get in a situation and we get hopeless. Sometimes we get in a situation and we don't know what we're going to do. Can I tell you that's what the body of Christ is for? See, when, when I can't get through on my faith, I can call Miguel. I say, Miguel, tell me what the Word of God says. I can call Joni. I say, Joni, tell me what the Word of God says. I can call Beverly. I can say, tell me what the God, Word of God says. I can call Jim or Pat and I can say, tell me what the Word of God says. And all of a sudden, I may not get it from one. They may just give me a little and then the next one and the next one and the next one until faith begins to take over fear. See, that's why I got to have the body of Christ. I got to have the body of Christ. I, I've shared this experience before, but I'll share it again. Michael's mother, Marie, she was the only one I could get a hold of one time and fear had overwhelmed me. And I called her up and I said, you got to pray for me. And so she prayed for me and the fear left. 
Five minutes later, the fear came back. I called Maria up. I said, you got to pray for me. She said, well, I just did. I said, do it again. And she prayed for me, and the fear left. Five minutes went by, the fear came back, and I picked up the phone. Every five minutes for the first hour, I called her, and it started going. Then it went for 10 minutes. Then it went for 15 minutes. And then it went for 30 minutes. And by the time she got off work, the fear had completely left. But I bet I called Marie 40 times or more that day. You ever call her when you needed to get over fear? Sure. No, we're just going to suck it up and try to get over it ourselves. God said, I've got a body of believers. i got a body of believers. Let me tell you something. This time of year is the most joyful time of year. It is also the most depressing time of year. There will be more suicides committed around this time of year than any other single time of the year. There will be more people shedding tears than there will be laughing and crying and, and, and rejoicing almost, almost. There'll be so much. And they need somebody to reach out to them or they need to reach out to somebody. That's what the body of Christ is all about. All-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful God. How many know God is bigger than depression? God is greater than fear. God is greater than anything. If you can, all things are possible. In Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Mm. Turn to your neighbor and say, I believe. Boy, he puts some importance on baptism too, doesn't he? Now, let me, let me kind of explain that to you. It is important that we are baptized, but it's not so important. It's not, the, the important thing is not just going into the water. That is important. But what's important is when we go in that water that we identify with Christ wholly and completely. If you, were, if you were a gang member, you'd be wearing his colors when you come up out of it. That's your initiation, death to self and life to him. That's it. And so he, he tells us to do that. Aren't you glad your initiation is you got to go kill somebody? The only, person you have to, the only person you have to kill is you, dead to self and alive to everything else. In Mark 16, he said, Believe and be baptized. And look what he says, And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. What if that really is a promise of Jesus? In my Bible, it's written in red. What if that really is a promise of Jesus? Can I ask you something? Have we come short? Is that part of our rest? Why have we come short? Fear. Is it possible that we have to contend for the promise? I'm just asking you. Is it possible that there are giants trying to rob you of your faith? Is it possible that there are giants trying to rob you of your reward? Is it possible that there are giants trying to steal your blessing? 
Is it possible that there are giants that are, not, that are keeping you from praying for the sick, from casting out demons, from doing all the things that Jesus said would do? Is it possible that, it's the, that you have these giants that say, God can't use me to do signs, wonders, and miracles? Is it possible that we, rather than fight the giants, we turn and we say, let me go back to that cozy land of the wilderness where I don't have to do anything but wander around, where all I can do is just wander around. God's going to feed me. God's going to take care of me. God's going to make sure my clothes don't wear out. God's going to make sure my clothes are clean. God's going to take care of everything, and nothing is required of me whatsoever. Now, I'm not ever going to enter his rest. I'm never going to receive all the promises that he has for me, but I will be comfortable even if it's in the wilderness. Is that possible? That we've said that to God? Is it possible that unbelief, and remember what I said unbelief is, unbelief is the distrust of God, his power, and his sovereignty. Is it possible that unbelief has found its way into our hearts and has cracked and divided our heart? Is it possible I want to give you another kingdom principle. I want to show you how you start overcoming unbelief. How many of you want to overcome any unbelief that's left in you? You do know there are people on different levels of belief in this room right now, right? There are people that are on different levels of faith, and that's okay, so I'm not condemning anybody. What I want to do is I don't want you to come in in the first grade and stay in the first grade all your life. If you, if you can only get to the second, third, or fourth grade, that's okay, but let's at least go forward. Let's go so that we can encourage each other. And so let's start doing this. In the, listen to what I'm going to tell you. In the world, seeing is believing. Okay? So I go out there and I lay hands on the sick. And I pray. And then I back up to see. That's the way the world does it. In the kingdom, believing is seeing. If I pray for you to get healed, you're going to get healed. If I pray for you to be delivered, you're going to be delivered. Not because Eddie said so, because Jesus said so. And I'm going to begin to believe that, and I'm going to begin to see that. Abraham, he said, Abraham, you're going to have a son. And so Abraham decided to help God. How I many know Abraham helped God? And we've been in war ever since. Amen. Abraham had Ishmael through Hagar. And so here he is, and, and he's helping God, and he's, he's thinking to it. And he finally he tells God, he said, I'm an old man, and Sarah's an old woman. And he sends the word of the Lord, and he said, he said, Abraham, this is not the heir of promise. He said, Sarah's going to conceive. And she laughed. And she said, you mean I'm going to have pleasure again? We won't get into the full context of that. But anyway, she laughs. It was impossible with man. God said, now I'm fixing to show you the heir of promise. Because out of impossibility, Isaac will be born. Out of a virgin, a savior will come forth. That's impossible. I, I was in the Presbyterian church when I was young, and we had a a medical doctor that would teach the school named Dr. Lipscomb. Dr. Lipscomb has gone to be with the Lord, I hope. 
but the whole time growing up, he said, it's impossible for a virgin to conceive. I asked him one time, I said, Dr. Lipskin, isn't anything possible with God? I believe that, but I just don't believe a virgin could conceive. Why? It's medically impossible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's medically impossible. That's the testimony I need. That's what makes Jesus, Jesus is a man, can't do it out of his own power and of his own strength. He was born of God through a virgin, an impossible situation, and God had his way. Amen. And he birthed a Savior. Yeah, come on, give God praise. He said, Abraham, you're going to be the progenitor of the gospel that's coming forth. He said, and I don't want you looking at your circumstances. He said, I want you looking up and I want you looking down. I want you seeing not stars but children. I don't want you to see grains of sand, but I want you to see children. He told Jacob, Jacob had worked for Laban for years and years and years, and Laban was going to cheat him. And he said, Laban, what I want to do is I don't want anything but the spotted and speckled lamb, the goats that come out of here. And so he got ready to, and the Lord gave him instruction. He said, I want it set up to where when that goat looks into that pool, he go study it, go study it. He said, when he looks in there, I want him to see himself spotted and speckled. You know what animals did by seeing themselves looking in the pool spotted and speckled? They reproduced spotted, speckled, and striped goats to the extent that Laban got mad and wanted to kill him. Come on. So, Isaiah, Isaiah said, said I, I, I know the Lord. I want to do the Lord's will. I want to be part of him. I, I'm a prophet. And way, way, way into the book, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. Did he see him in the natural? Mm -mm, he didn't see him with a natural eye. But he said, I saw the Lord. His faith connected with his vision. Come on. His faith connected with his vision. And the minute his faith connected with his vision, his vision unfurled the, the God of all creation to the point Isaiah couldn't even hardly stand it. it, just, it just, he just fell on his face. And he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I, I can't do anything. God moved on him. He said, look, look, Isaiah. See, see it. When are we going to begin to see ourselves laying hands on the sick and then recovering? When are we going to begin to believe what God said? we got to rehearse it until it becomes a fact. I don't care if we lay hands on people till they're bald-headed. I'm almost there anyway. I don't care if we have to do it. I don't care if you get sick or I get sick laying hands on the sick. It doesn't make any difference. We're going to do it because God said it. God claimed, proclaimed it. I believe what God said, not what I've experienced, not what I've done. I believe what God has said. Now, I've had a few of those things where I've seen people healed. I've seen people delivered. I've seen people saved. But I want you to know this community needs to be changed. Until we grab hold of the power of Almighty God, it's not going to be changed. Church, as usual, will not work. It's going to take a body of believers that have great faith that say we're going to cast out demons, we're going to heal the sick, we're going to raise the dead, we're going to preach the gospel in power and in authority. It doesn't make anything, and I don't care what poison spews out against me. I don't care if the Atlanta Journal-Constitution decide they want to print all kind of garbage about me. I don't care if the news media wants to call me stupid. I don't care what anybody says. The Bible says that that stuff will not kill me. 
Come on, give God praise. You see, we've gotten something confused. We think signs and wonders and miracles are about us getting to see God. That would be God entertaining us at his throne. God is not trying to entertain us at all. God is demonstrating the power of his kingdom that his name might be known, that Jesus might be exalted. You see, God said, I got a covenant people and I'm going after that covenant people and the covenant people will begin to see me through my power. They'll begin to see me in my glory. They'll begin to see me. They're gonna, my church is gonna demonstrate love in a way that nobody has ever seen before except in Jesus Christ. He said, my church will do signs wonders and miracles, not for themselves, not to be entertained, but so that God might be glorified. Come on, give God glory. Come on, give God glory. Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. Please join us every Sunday morning for service times, locations, and other information about the church, visit us at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you 